This week on A Dash of Grit, you can't be afraid to move forward, but when everyone is counting on you, including your wife and your unborn child, for your success, grit takes on a whole new attitude. Mike Jones will share his story next. This is A Dash of Grit, recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. I am so glad that I met this guy. Mike Jones is our guest today. He is the owner of Ruby Group. It's a Sandler sales training franchise in Akron and Columbus, Ohio. I have seen him speak and he is dynamic. I have seen him lead. He is inspiring. He's built a great team at Ruby, and he's a respected leader, not just of those partners that he's built, um, but for anyone who crosses his path. I've seen it happen, folks. This is the real deal. You're about to meet Mike Jones. Thank you very much, Mike, for joining us on A Dash of Grit. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's always good uh, to get together and collaborate with like-minded people. Absolutely. So thrilled. And, and I think uh, people are really going to love to hear about your story. And let's dive right into that. I know your story, but I want you uh, first talk about success. Tell me about some good things that are happening with the Ruby Group and your Sandler sales training franchise. Good. Well, we're, we're in our 16th year. So we've been doing this for a while now. Um, I, I have a team of 10. And, you know, given, given what we do with how we work with companies, we are, we're a sought after resource, not only within our local markets, but also nationally. And one of the things that I'm most excited about, in particular with my team, it would be really hard for somebody to come in here and spend the day with us and figure out who the owner is. You know, we all have that, take that ownership mentality, and, and that allows us to consistently achieve in the top 5% of all Sandler franchises. So, you know, we love to give back to the network. We love to give back um, to our community and just share best practices. And so you're in the top five to 10% of the Sandler network, and that is a worldwide organization. And so congratulations to you on that success. I know how hard you work for it. Tell me though, first, let's get into the grit. That's what this is all about. Yeah. Go back to the days when it wasn't like that. Tell me a little bit about your story when things weren't so great and you had to show that grit to overcome. Um, well, that's just, I've, I've always dealt with adversity in a, in a fairly healthy way. I think that's where we learn the most about ourselves and um, 2005, I, I was working at a bank. I was managing a bank. I wasn't passionate about banking. I had owned a business previously in the Bronx, New York and, um, 9-11 kind of threw our world upside down. So I decided to move my family back to Ohio and, and, um, became a manager of a bank. And I, I did that for two years. And then I had an opportunity, um, to buy, to buy the Ruby group. And so I, I talked to my wife about that and, you know, Hey, I'm thinking about, taking a risk, you know, um, is something that you think we should do. And one of the things that we did was we defined what we were willing to risk. And I'll never forget the conversation I had with her prior to me really officially pulling the trigger on this thing. I said, you know, if, if this doesn't work and we have to move into an apartment and I have to find another job, would you be okay with that? And she's like, absolutely. Hmm. All, we would have the things that are near and dear to us which is our family anyway. So, you know, I, I believe in you and why don't you quit your job and, and pull the trigger on this thing. So that was around September of 2005. And about a month after that, when I wasn't working at the bank, but I hadn't started with the Ruby group yet, she, she told me that she was pregnant. <laughs> oh. So right away I, I, I got hit with this, oh my gosh, now I really need to get moving. 
And you had already quit at the bank? I had already left. Oh, my Lord. So, you know, part of this, this is an intimate business when we work with companies. And, and, and really, they buy us first. And then they buy the organization second and Sandler third, really. So when I took over, I bought an existing franchise who had an existing book of business that was paying. These clients were paying. Well, when I took over, everybody bailed. And I didn't have this revenue anymore. Now I had all, I had all these monthly expenses I had to pay rent and payroll and insurances and franchise fees, um, and and we really didn't have money coming in. And that was for me my oh my gosh, what did I do moment. How were you feeling then? How did that make you feel? Not good, not good, because it was it was almost as if I I hit that phase of panic, right? Yeah. And having $20,000 a month in expenses that I had to cover and not bringing in nearly that amount, my business coach said, do you have a line of credit? And I said, yeah. He goes, you need to pay yourself out of the line of credit. And I'm like, I hate debt. Mm. I don't want to pay myself out of the line of credit. And he's like, for the sake of your head, it's healthy to see paycheck coming in, even if it's out of your line of credit. So that was a that was a scary moment for me, and and how did that work out for you? Did, did, how did that change your way of looking at things? I'll tell you, it made me hustle. Yeah, it really made me hustle. And so 2005, you know, we're starting to get some traction around 2007. Um, we're starting to get out of the red and into the black, and things are starting to happen. And then the recession of 2008 hit. Yep. And now it was like. Oh my gosh, you know, we're, we're getting back to that point where we were a couple years ago. And, you know, I, I think there's phases of companies, you know, there's, there's startup and then there's struggle and then there's successful and then there's significant. Well, right around 2008, we started to get out of that struggle to successful phase. And now we found ourselves back into the, into the struggling phase again. Mm -hmm. And what did you do to get out of that then? So now what we really had to do was not get creative and we started to get creative and, yeah. and we lost sight of the blocking and the tackling and just getting back to the, the basics, you know? So we, we got together as a crew and we thought, what, what were the attributes back in 2005 and 2006 that got us to where we were before this started happening? And really it was the, it was the daily behaviors. It was the daily grind of figuring out what do I need to do to win today? And let's shut off the future thinking and let's not worry about the past, but how can we really lock in and define what winning today looks like behaviorally? Because activity always precedes outcome. And so we just had to start analyzing our activities and were we doing the right behaviors at the right times in front of the right people with the right messaging? And, and that, that consistent daily grind is, is what really pushed us through this, through all that. And the thing that's interesting to me is that I know you well enough to know that that daily grind gets it done. But you already mentioned when you when you made the first shift, your wife had just let you know that you were were pregnant. Then you're now you're back in the same thing. At any point, did did you just feel like giving up and trying something different? That these roller coasters just weren't worth it, or did you just stick to it? You know, I I just stuck to it. I was taught very early on, you have to be all in or all out. You can't play around in the middle. And I'll never forget a conversation I had with my father-in-law 
in 2003 when I moved back to Ohio, his advice was go get an apartment in Ohio and keep your home in New Jersey. And if in six months you don't like it, you can always move back. And had I have done that, I would have moved back within a month. Hmm. You know, so I, I like to just, I like to just go for broke in situations and just cut, cut bait and keep moving. And I think when you don't have a chance, when there's no option of turning back, moving forward really is the only way that that you can go. And no matter how hard it is, if you just focus on the day and maximizing and leaving everything on the table that day, it's only a matter of time before things start to work out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the, the whole idea of putting that first step forward and always moving and keeping those legs kicking. The other part about that though, is you don't always know you're heading in the right direction. And sometimes you, you veer off and you have to realize, oops, got to go back and start that again. Can you talk to me in, in all of your times going through things where you really thought you had it figured out and you were full steam ahead the way I know Mike Jones does it. And then at some point you realized, holy cow, this one isn't working. The situation we're in right now is causing a lot of challenges, right? Because we're dealing with something that is very uncertain. You know, we knew what the definition of the game was when the recession hit. That was a very defining moment. And what was happening was clear. And the landscape was clear as to what we really needed to do. Things are changing so fast during these times. Just when you think, all right, we've got it figured out. We know what the new norm looks like. Here's what we need to do. We get hit with something different that kind of changes the game. So we, we as a team typically operate in 90-day strategic windows. And we had to shrink that down to five-day strategic windows. You know, so what does winning this week look like? Let's define that. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's put some things in play that we can start to prep for the following week. And, and with everything changing, you just, you just have to move much faster than, than you did in the past. Yeah. yeah. And, and what advice could you give a, a business that's out there that, that is going through this right now, uh, maybe from something that you learned from before, but what's, what's the simple thing that they can do to really clearly understand what, what that obstacle is, what that hurdle is, how to get past it. You know, there's, there's different stages of this, right? What, what's the one thing you could really give them to hang on to? A couple things. Number one, don't forget the things that you've done in the past that make you successful. Don't forget the, the attributes of your work ethic, the attributes of your strengths as individuals. Don't forget the metrics that you performed that got you to the point where you felt that you were successful and you were providing a a good product and service for people. And and here's why I say that. What I'm finding and what my team's finding and a lot of the clients uh, that we work with is we have to do more behaviors because finding opportunities is much slimmer today than it was four or five months ago. And the trap that we fall in is we look at the outcome of those behaviors as the win. We're subjective. Give me some examples, Mike. What's a behavior? Talk to me a little bit about that. How many conversations I'm going to have with people today, right? And and the win isn't, okay, I had five conversations and I didn't set any appointments, so I'm a failure. That's a subjective way of looking at it, where I think we need to be very objective during these times, meaning the win is the accomplishment of the set behavioral goal. 
If my goal is to have five conversations and I have five conversations, I won my day. Doesn't matter if you moved the needle or not. It doesn't matter because mm -hmm. what happens is people do the behaviors and they don't see the results and they get frustrated and they start to leverage constructive avoidance to not do those behaviors anymore. So they stop moving forward, right? And, and being objective about my behaviors keeps me out of that trap. And if I'm consistent long enough daily and just keep plowing through those behaviors, things are going to happen. I need to put myself in the position when, when this thing breaks, you know, and that always reminds me of a quote that Wayne Gretzky once said, you know, people asked him, what makes you better than everybody else? And he's like, well, I don't know if it makes me better, but I see a lot of people skating to where the puck is. I, I try to skate to where the puck is going. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to skate to where the puck is going. And are we putting ourselves in the best position for June and July by doing what we need to do today? Yeah. And so at some point along the line, you went, you went through all these changes and it was either when you first started and you mortgaged everything to get it rolling or, or the 08 recession came in and you had to rebuild. What was that one point where you said, you know, I think I've got this. I think I've got this right bit of grit. I've got this recipe. Things are going to be okay. Can you remember something like that to share? I can. And, and it was almost as if we had this epiphany where we recognized as a team that we were in alignment. You know, we all bought into the vision. We bought into uh, the mission of the company, which was to abolish average in order to instigate opportunities. Um, we held each other accountable better than we did in the past. And one of my beliefs is it's really hard to be undercover and on the rise at the same time, right? I think we need to operate with full transparency. And, and there came a point in time where we recognized, you know what, we are operating with full transparency, not only within ourselves, but within the people that we work with. We are a product of our product. A product of our product. What we build is what we have. That's it. Who we are. Yep. Mike, what's your definition of grit? I know I have mine. I'm really interested in what you think it is. My definition of grit is being real with yourself as to hmm. what you need to do and being 100% committed to accomplishing what it is you need to do at the same time taking full ownership over the outcome you know I, and i tell not only my team this but i tell my my kids this sometimes we are faced with situations that we are not responsible for but we are accountable for how we handle it you know if if i wake up one day and there's an infant in a in a uh, baby carrier on my front porch, I am not responsible for that being there. I am accountable for taking ownership over that situation and, and recognizing the moments where we want to play that victim role and blame things outside of ourselves is when we start to get in trouble. And, and, and just recognizing those moments that, you know what, we might not be responsible for what's going on right now, but we're accountable to, to how we handle it and, and taking ownership over it. And, and I think when you have that mentality, it, it, it allows you to always focus within on what we need to do internally, because a lot of people, they want, they want external changes in order to get the internal shifts of happiness that they're looking for. And, and I really think that, that that's a look in the mirror moment where we need to figure out what internal changes do we need to make in order to create the external shifts that we're looking for? 
And so what are you owning inside as the, as the uh, head partner of, of Ruby Group? What's next for, uh, for Ruby Group and for the Sandler training? What, do you, what the hurdles and obstacles you need to overcome now? I, I just think it's, it's trying to establish what that, what that new normal looks like. I, I, mm-hmm. I think it's to not lose sight of our vision and our goals. Um, we might have to uh, shift a little bit of the goals that we're after. We might have to create more um, busyness on our part in order to generate and, and find those, those opportunities. But, you know, one thing that I'm learning throughout this process, and I think our team is learning, is this situation we're in is pulling attributes out of us that we didn't even realize we had, you know, and, and it's giving us another level of conviction that, that what we're doing is working, what we're doing is right. Uh, I've got people on my team that haven't been through hard times before. Like, like I have in 2008 and when I started the company. So just to be able to um, keep everybody okay, keep everybody calm and cool and, and knowing that, you know what, first world problems, I mean, things could always be worse. You know, we just got to keep moving forward and leverage each other and pick each other up when we see that maybe we're struggling or, or our head's not in the right place. And, and just being okay, knowing that we might have to change directions every now and then, but the most important thing is let's do it together. Let's do it together. And, and, and that statement allows me to make the next one. I know that you're finding out new and innovative ways to accomplish your goals. You're not putting your goals aside. I know that enough about you. And so I don't mind asking this question two years down the line, three years down the line, when this is so far in our rearview mirror and things have changed, of course, um, what's, what's the Ruby group look like? What are the successes that you've accomplished? You know, I, I, that's a good question. And I believe if, if, if I answer that in two parts, I think that we excel in our role as salespeople through our role as a prospector. If I'm going to be a great salesperson, first and foremost, I have to be great at prospecting. Mm. And if I take that same mindset into the organizations we help, if we want to help other companies become great, we have to first and foremost be great. Our ability to move the needle with the organizations that we work with needs to start in-house first. If it comes out of our mouth, we have to be believers of it and we have to do it. Let's not operate with any hypocrisy, right? So us us being real with each other gives us the opportunity to be real with the people that we talk with. And, and my hope is that in two or three years, not only are we better at our Akron location, but we're also better down at our Columbus location. And our, and our team has grown first and foremost as individuals. I want to see my team on an individual basis I want them to get everything they want out of life through the resources of this company. And that's a dynamic I think that you can't stop. Mike, like I said at the beginning, I'm so glad I met you. And I would think that anyone else that's listening right now that hasn't met you, I can't imagine folks that you wouldn't want to. And so, uh, Mike, how would someone find you? How can someone reach out to you to learn more about you or even the Ruby Group or services that you provide? How would they do that? Well, they could go to our website, therubygroup.com. They're certainly more than welcome to email me, mjones at sandler.com. And any questions, my direct line is 330-926-9924. 
Fantastic. I highly encourage it, folks. You won't meet another one like him and your life will be different one way or another, whether you spend a dollar with him or not. He's, uh, he will impact you. Michael, thank you so much for being a part of Dash of Grit. It's my pleasure and my honor. Thank you, Brian. You got it. Hey, a Dash of Grit is brought to you from all of us here at Spire. We are here to help local businesses and organizational leaders like you and like the Ruby Group and Mike Jones grow. Spire offers marketing services and websites and a team that functions as an extension of yours to help you and your team grow. You can learn more about us at spiread.com. I am Brian Leffelock. I'm on LinkedIn. Thank you to my friend and mentor, Mike Jones of the Ruby Group and the Sandler Sales Training in Akron and Columbus. This has been a Dash of Grit. It's an acquired taste. Thank you for listening. We'll do it again.